Well, good morning, church. Well, we are continuing the This Is Us series today. My name is Pastor Mike. I'm the youth and outreach pastor. Pastor John and Kristen, they are not here with us today. They have been uh, down in Florida dropping off their son Josiah at Southeastern University. So keep them in prayers as they head back uh, and prayers that, you know, that they keep their crying to a minimum. So uh, I, I am very um, thankful for the opportunity uh, that Pastor John has given me to be able to be a part of this uh, This Is Us series as we talk about uh, relationships. And our heart through this series uh, is that we can continue to encourage healthy relationships, relationships that's going to drive us closer to God, relationships that's going to encourage us to share God's love, not because that's just what we're told, but because it's in our DNA, it's how we've been created you know, building healthy relationships that's going to challenge us to be more like Christ and to share his love in our culture and in our world. And it's like we all see this on, on the news and on social media. Our, our culture, our world needs a savior. It needs Jesus Christ. His love needs to penetrate our culture and to direct people towards him and not against each other. And this morning, we're, we're going to be talking about the topic of conflict and forgiveness and reconciliation. And I'm going to be as open and as transparent and as honest and as vulnerable with you this morning as I possibly can, not just as a pastor, but as somebody who has gone through this and who is currently in this process of trying to see reconciliation uh, in my own family. And so I just want to take this opportunity just to go before the Lord just so that my heart is submitting to his will and that our hearts together as the body of Christ, we can submit to him. Can we do that, church? And so let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for this opportunity that we can come together as the body of Christ, that we can continue to submit to your will. God, I pray right now that we surrender our own wants, our own needs, our own pride, our own selfishness, uh, our, our hurts and our pains and, and our past, and we give everything to you right now. So that when we hear your word and we hear your truth, God, that we don't shun from it, but God, that we embrace it. We don't just hear it, but we live it out. Thank you, God. Thank you. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 15. There's some Bibles in the front of your seats, or if you have your phone, you can use your Bible app. Uh, if you want to take notes today, you can go to our mobile app, My ALC Mobile, and you can follow along with the sermon there. Uh, but as you're turning to Luke chapter 15, I, I just want to kind of ask a few questions. And, and I think it's because we can all relate somehow uh, in having conflict with one another. Uh, we can have conflict as husband and wife, or we can have conflict with uh, siblings, uh, friends, co-workers, family members. Let me ask this question. How many of you in the room, uh, you are the youngest sibling? 
Okay. How, keep your hands up. All right. How many of you young siblings, you were picked on by the older siblings? Okay. Put your hands down. How many of you older siblings picked on the younger siblings? Sinners. My goodness. Just, just messing. But in serious, you are. Um, uh, I, just, just, to, just to paint a little picture of, of my childhood, I had two very much bigger and older brothers who picked on me a lot. And there's this time, uh, just, just to kind of give you uh, an illustration, uh, I, the, one of the worst memories that I have is when both of my brothers thought it would be funny to uh, hang me over our second story porch with a clothesline around my neck and joking like, we're going to drop you. And so like one's holding the rope, the other one's holding me by my uh, waist and like, ah! and I'm like, ah! And they thought it was hysterical. They were doing it in front of their friends. I peed my pants. Um, it, it, it really just shows you how messed up I have been because of the things that have happened to me. But listen, it's totally okay because it was like from that moment on, I learned karate, so I learned how to defend myself. And I pr became pretty hardcore with a pair of nunchucks. And I'll tell you what, they never messed with me after that moment. I was like, pow! You know, it's like, don't mess. I'm like a Hawaiian Bruce Lee. Uh, so it, it, you know, sometimes it's like we experience conflict and there's good about it. And, and then sometimes when we allow conflict continue to go on, it, it, it kind of like keeps us separated and has that division. And, and so I, I, I look at our culture and our world. When we have uh, conflict with one another, uh, we fight. We fight each other. And sometimes um, that fight, once again, it, it can be between a husband and wife. It can be uh, mom and son, mom and daughter, dad and daughter, dad and son, family members, coworkers, friends. In all of our kinds of relationships, uh, there, there's conflict that happens. And I think it's because being in a relationship, all kinds of relationships, being in a relationship, it's hard. It's hard. Because we are choosing to be in relationship with somebody. We're saying we're choosing to love that person and accept them just as they are. And sometimes it can be difficult to love somebody. Sometimes, who, who ate men? My goodness. Shame on you. <laughs> At least he admitted it. <laughs> he didn't sink in the seat. Um, sometimes... We have no other choice but to love somebody because we're related to them. And so it says in Mark, Jesus is speaking that the second greatest commandment that Jesus ever gave was to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But that's hard. We put in that but. It's so difficult to love that person. Mike, you have no idea how they are. You have no idea how they treat me. You have no idea what they've done. Some of us, we stop loving the people that we are in relationship with and the people that we do community with because of how they've treated us. We, we stop loving those people that we've been in relationship with because of all the hurt and all the pain that they've caused us. We stop loving someone because 
of all the drama that has gone on and went down. And, and some of us, we will say, we will say, well, you know what? Yes, that all went down. I, I still love them, but we're just not talking. I still love them, but they're cut off. I still love them, but you know what? Just let them go do their own thing. It's, it's almost kind of like saying, I love to work out, but I don't go to the gym. It, it, it's the same philosophy. It's we say these things with our words, but there's no action behind it. And so because there's no action behind the words, then the words kind of fall and there's meaningless. There's no meaning to it. We look at this story in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. And if you've ever grown up in church, you probably heard this parable a thousand times. And I just want us to be challenged as we read it together that we can see it in a different light this morning. So if you're in Luke chapter 15, I want you to follow along with me starting in verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my money. Can you, parents, let me ask this. Have you ever had a, a child come up to you? I was like, mommy, daddy, I want this. Give me money. How many of you just cave in and you give? It's funny it, when you think about it because, you know, we, we do look at, at culture and, and how younger generation that they feel entitled to what is theirs, Correct. Younger generation, listen up. Uh, so the younger son, he says, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So the father, he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and then he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So imagine this with me. Here is a young man. He has everything he could ever want, everything he could ever ask for. He has a house. He has his own room. He has his fine clothes. He has servants to bring him food. The boy doesn't have to work because his father has worked hard enough to provide everything for him. But yet it's not good enough for him, so that's why he goes to his father and asks, hey, give me what's rightfully mine, and so let me go live my own life. And he lives the life that he chooses to live, and it sees where it gets him to where he's at the lowest point in his life. To where he's looking at the food that the pigs are eating and he says, wow, I wish I could have that. It's funny in, in, when it comes to life that sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to be able to see what we're missing. We have to hit the lowest of lows to be able to see how much we are in need. Verse 17, 
When the young man, he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Have you ever, like, have you ever planned in your mind how a conversation's like about to go? And it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to say to that person, and then this is how they're going to respond. But if they don't respond that way, then this is how I'm going to respond back. Have you ever planned that in your head? How many times it actually goes exactly the way that you planned it? Exactly. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and he began to celebrate. I picture what the father was thinking the entire time that his son was gone. What did I do wrong? What did I do to drive him away from me? Was he not well fed? Was he not loved enough? Well, what did I do? Could I have done something different? And then he begins to think, well, all that anger, why he left? Why did he leave me? It makes me so angry. And then that season of grief. And he goes through all these different emotions and feelings while his son is away. But the moment that he laid eyes on his son walking in the distance, all that anger, all that grief, all the unknown, he was willing to lay down just to embrace his son because his son was alive and his son came back home. Talk about love. (laughs) To be able to be willing to lay everything down just to embrace his son. We have one more person in in this story, and it's the older brother. In verse 25, it says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safely and sound. Verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, notice how he didn't call him his brother. This son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and to be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You know, the significance of of this older brother, as Jesus is telling this parable, the older brother represents the religious leaders, the Pharisees, because at that time they were living just for the law, And it was about the rules and the law and never understood and grasped the heart of God's love through it. 
And this older brother, he, he sulks and he misses out on the party because of his own pride and selfishness. We, as human beings and in relationships, we experience brokenness. A lot of us, we come from broken homes, broken families, fractured families. We always ask the questions, why does this happen? Why does this come up? If I can be completely open and honest with you this morning, I believe the brokenness is a result from us forgetting and disobeying God's word. Brokenness is a result from forgetting and disobeying God's word. The relationship, when we forget what God's word or God's truth says, or when we disobey it, we're disobeying what he directly advises us to do. You know, we see this from the very beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. They hid from God. And they suffered this distance between their own relationship. Adam began to blame Eve for everything that went down. And the the cycle we see in every single relationship, the cycle that happens is sin leads to guilt. Guilt not properly dealt with leads to blame. Blame will lead to anger, and anger will lead to alienation. One person wrongs the other. That person retaliates with anger or resentment. You know, one one of the hardest things that I see as a youth pastor dealing with with, with students and families is when parents are, are going in the direction of separating and divorcing and because of, of that hurt or, or that pain that the other calls each other and, and they try to find love and acceptance and understanding through another lover, but in reality, they're only trying to attack the other in a way to even the score. And one of, one of the parents or neither of the parents are really noticing that the hurt that they're causing their children. And they have no idea what their actions are teaching them. We see it so many times in our culture. I think the root of that is our pride, is our egos. Pride causes us to justify ourselves and to attack the other person. Instead of humbling ourselves before God and asking for forgiveness and asking forgiveness of the other person, both sides put blame on one another. And if they're not putting blame on the other person, they're putting blame on something else other than themselves. It's hard for them to swallow that they may have been a cause to something. We forget that God's word says, remember my word or remember the law. Remember God's word. Don't forget God's word. But see, forgetting assumes prior knowledge. Some of us that call ourselves Christians need to take a step back for a moment and actually learn God's word in the first place. 
You'd be surprised how many people call themselves Christians and that have never opened up the Bible, let alone repeatedly. And let me say this, parents, if reading God's word is not a priority in your family and in your marriage and in your relationship with your kids, we can't expect them to ever know God's word because we're not modeling it and we're not setting the example for them. And then we wonder why our, 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 our relationships and our marriages struggle and our relationships with our family members. And we sh- struggle with understanding why our relationships with our kids struggle. Because we're not even knowing God's word in the first place to even forget it. People often struggle why that they are in conflict. And they're so blinded by their own disobedience to see that they are forgetting God's word. Proverbs 19.3, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. So how do we reverse this cycle? How do we take the steps to, to forgive How do we take the steps to see reconciliation in our relationships? There's three steps. Three steps that that we can just start taking to begin the process. The first one, we have to ask ourselves a very hard and real question. Are you willing to fight for the relationship? Are you willing to fight? Some of us will stop right there because we don't see the relationship worth it to fight for. We see that it's been too much to handle that we won't fight for it. We'll throw in the towel and give up because it's too hard. I am so glad that God didn't give up on me when he sent his son to die on the cross because I was too much. I'm so glad that God still loves me unconditionally even though I may be too hard to handle. I'm so glad Jesus didn't throw in the towel when he was defeating death. We look at our circumstances and we look at our situations and we say, it's too hard. God fought for our relationship with us by laying down his life. Sin separated us from him. And so Jesus came to reconcile us to God by doing the impossible. He laid down his own hurt and his own grief and his own pain and his own pride to embrace us. We see that in this parable. The father laid it all down just so that he could embrace his lost son. If you can answer that question, are you willing to fight with a yes? Just understand these next two steps keep getting harder. If you say yes to are you willing to fight, The second step is, you have to go first. You must go first. That means you have to take the first step to reconciling. 
you have to take the first step to forgiving. Most of the time when we experience conflict, the tendency is to draw back, to isolate ourselves from whoever hurt us or whoever we hurt, thinking we don't want to cause more pain or more discomfort. Loving someone means laying down my own hurts for the purpose of truly sharing truth and love. Sometimes it requires more faith to humbly state an opinion than be silent. Because when we are silent, then we fester. And when we fester, that's where bitterness begins to stew. And anger and envy and hate. Taking the silent road we may think is the most healthy thing to do, but the silent road does not grow godly fruit. Sometimes by going first, it means actually acknowledging that I may have been the cause to the conflict. Sometimes we don't know what we've done, but from the other person's perspective, we might have hurt them. They might have hurt us too, but in their mind, they've been hurt. And sometimes when they have their perspective, maybe as, as messed up as it is, that's still their reality. And if we're not able to ask God to re reveal in our own hearts what is the wrongdoing that I have had a hand in, we halt the process of reconciliation and forgiveness. We cannot move forward in our walk with God until we deal with these hard issues. And moving forward in our relationship with God often means moving forward in our relationship with others. To be more transparent, to be more humble, to be more selfless, to be more loving. 1 Corinthians 13, it's known as the chapter of love. And we hear this a lot at, at weddings. But this applies to each and every single one of us when it talks about what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We, we, we sang about that this morning. Love never fails. Somebody has to take the first step in reaching out in love. Don't wait for the other person. Pastor Mike, you, you, you don't know what's gone down. You don't know what they've done to me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Mike, what they did was unforgivable. You expect me to go and talk to them and forgive them for what they did? 
Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Mike, how can you expect me just to surrender years and years of grief and hurt and let love? I tried love. I gave love a chance. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Are you willing to go first? There is no but. There is no continuation of that sentence. It's a statement. Will you go first? And listen, I know when we try to reach out in love, we have no control of the other person's reaction. But it's not up to us to have control on how they're going to respond. The other person's responsibility of God our responsibility is to obey. Are you willing to fight for the relationship? Then take the first step. Go first. And understand that this is a process. Healing isn't going to happen in a day, especially when we got years of hurt and years of pain and there's been, there's been separation for years. A healing process is going to hurt. It's going to bring up past wounds and cuts and what was said and what was done or what wasn't said or what wasn't done. But if we're faithful to the process, we get to experience the end goal, healing and restoration and love and forgiveness and life in the way that God created. We have to get past this, that our thoughts and our pride and our egos and our own selfishness and be able to see the end goal because working through conflict will lead to a better relationship with God. And when we're in a better relationship with God, we get to experience more of his blessings, more of his promises, more of the life that God intended us to live. God didn't intend for us to live in conflict and to live in drama and things so petty and so small, but yet have driven families apart. We come in here every Sunday and to worship God, but God even says that he doesn't want us to allow conflict to be the very things that separate us from him. And we come in here with, with conflict, and then we try to engage in worship. Matthew 5, 23-25, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. How can we expect to lift our hands and sing these words to God when we're dealing with these things that are stopping us from experiencing and encountering him? 
we have to go and resolve the conflict. So, how are you seeking reconciliation? Are you the prodigal son? Chose to do your own thing, your own way. And now you're in place to where you want to get back to try to establish some sort of bond, some sort of relationship again. Will you be willing to humbly submit yourself to recognize your own wrong to bring yourself back? Will you be like the father And whatever hurts, whatever grief, whatever pain, whatever unknown that was there, are you willing to lay it down and run and embrace that person that you're in relationship with? Or will you be like the older brother and allow your own pride and your own ego to stop you from the bigger picture of what God wants to do and miss out on the party. Listen, I'm not saying restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness is going to make everything better. Sometimes you just need to reconcile with somebody and then just move forward. But at least you reconcile what hurts and pains and cuts you carried. It starts with the decision that you make by asking yourself the question, are you going to fight? Are you going to take the first step? Are you gonna be in it for the long haul, for the end goal in mind? And so Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every person in this room and every person that's watching on the live stream, Lord, I pray that we humbly submit ourselves to you right now. Whatever pain, whatever grief, whatever unforgiveness that we've been holding on to, that we die to our selfishness and our pride and our ego right now. And we humbly submit ourselves before you. And we cast all of this pain and all of this junk and all of this drama and leave it at the foot of the cross. And God, that we can take on your strength and we can take on your power to go and to passionately pursue that person that we desire to restore that relationship with. So that your supernatural healing power can reconcile us and to be glory unto your name. And that we can grow and move forward and encounter you, God, and live the life you called us to live. You did not call us to hold on to the conflict, but to resolve it. And the Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've been working on hearts since the beginning, that we walked into these doors. So God, I pray for boldness and for strength to take action in what you've been putting on our hearts. We proclaim this in your great and mighty name. 
And everybody said, Amen.